The future is now. Finding the NOSO has never been easier. Subscribe to us on our new YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, and bookmark the new home for No Holds Barred, The Jenny Position, Wrestling War Zone, and all your favorite NOSO podcasts at NorthSouthConnection.com. It's New Year, New NOSO. NorthSouthConnection.com. Welcome to Dirty War Wrestling Above Replacement. I am JT. That is Marcus. So back at you for the 39th time, Marcus. Can you believe it already? Wow. We're cruising, and we're already closing another season. We just started it last episode. Already wrapping up another season here tonight. <clears throat> Madness. Time flies. Time flies. But I'm having fun this season, man. This is a, a heavy nostalgia season for me. This is really when um, a lot of my like week-to-week television memories kick in. Mm-hmm. So especially uh, the two shows we're going to cover tonight, I remember the build-up and stuff uh, pretty much in full. So yeah. uh, it can be fun. I could talk about the season all night long. Uh, it's also our eighth season coming to an end already. So we've been cruising. And we say season, that's how we do things here. We're watching every dirty pay-per-view in history in a seasonal format. So we start with the first pay-per-view following WrestleMania in any given calendar year. The season ends with WrestleMania the following calendar year. So this season started with SummerSlam 1992. Ends tonight with WrestleMania 9. We watch every show. We grade every match. And then we give points to everything going on on the show on a plus minus system. So if you think of something being replacement level, it's average baseline. Um, that's what we consider it to just be replacement level. Everything that we think is better than average gets a point. Anything that's below average takes away a point, And we net everything out at the end, add that up. And that gives us our total war score. We also grade every match individually. We then add that grade, take the average, and wherever that is, plus minus from two and a half, which is a replacement level match, 
we tally those match grades up and that's the total war score for match grades. So it's definitely a nerd fest here, sabermetric style on war. You learn as we go, figure it out. Maybe someday on the video feed here, we'll put put a graphic up. <laughs> Gonna get the tool man to, to show up for one of these recordings and pop some graphics up for us. That actually a war game numbers. A war game style graphic. The rules are rather simple. Yeah, <laughs> Gary Michael Capetta. Um, to run it down. Uh, all right. So all that said, you want to run in the categories that we break these down? Absolutely. Uh, we start off with build up to the event, followed by commentary. Then the atmosphere, notable moments and importance, match grades like you talked about, card structure, rewatchability, and all-time matches. And for anybody new, an all-time match for us is anything that we both agree is 4.25 and above. Or for a minus, it is anything we both agree is a 0.75 and below. Yes, sir. All right. So first up tonight, we are going to cover Royal Rumble 1993. took place January 24th from the Arco Arena in Sacramento, California. Our announcers on the night are Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan. So Gorilla back at the booth, Vince uh, heads back out. We had one dark match, and that was Doink the Clown defeating Jim Powers. Marcus, would you like to see that match? That youngster, Jimmy Powers. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm liking all the dark matches of this era. You know, I, I'd prefer if it was maybe, uh, you know, Repo Man, but we're actually going to get to see Repo Man later on the card. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's weird. Doink's not on the main card. That's weird. Uh, yeah, they, well, he hadn't really wrestled yet on TV. He was still That's doing right, yeah. His first match isn't until Mania. I think Crush is his first match. Um, up until then, it's all pranks and games, I believe. So, um, he had just started to escalate around here. It's right before the show where he uh, tripped up the boss man. Um, oh, the, oh, that's right after this, actually. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. The crush thing is right before this. That's what he had amped up. I think it was like the week before this or whatever. So he had really just started to kind of do stuff besides just prance around. All right. We then open up with some tag action, which has been kind of the trend this season. It's our third straight pay-per-view opening with a tag match, but it's a good one. That rope. The Brothers Beverly taking on the Brothers Steiner in this match. <laughs> brothers versus Brothers. Uh, the Steiners had debuted uh, pretty much right at the end of December and have been murdering jobbers ever since. And this, Marcus, is low-key one of my favorite little hidden gem matches out there. I went three stars. I love this opener. Everyone always talks about the one at WrestleMania, which we'll talk about later. But to me, this is like, I like this one more. I, there's just something about it. There's an anger. There's, a, there's an understated <laughs> violence. Um, there's one spot where Rick Steiner just throws one of the Beverly's into the corner, and it's one of the most violent throws you'll ever see. He just, like, <laughs> shoves them into the corner. It's got a sick Frankensteiner to close it. It's just really fun. It's like the the Beverly's just bump like crazy for the Steiners, and I don't know if they even were bumping or just getting thrown. Um, <laughs> it also sets up the trend that Blake Beverly's like the only guy that would take these bumps for the rest of the year because they stick him under a mask half the time. Um, as like the executioner or the spider or whatever, and he's like the knight. Um, he's on like Raw and TV a bunch fighting them because I think he was one of the few guys that they could turn to that would actually like deal with them take getting stiffer all the time um in 93 so he hangs around longer than Bo throughout the rest of the year but yeah i've always dug this match it's it's one of my favorites uh, little matches of the era yep 2.75 for me great energy some some really big bumps a lot of contact uh this match rocks this is definitely a, a dude's rock style match 
Um, and yeah, I'd be uh, I'd be mistaken if I didn't mention that the Beverly Brothers are here, of course, adorned in glory and renown. Uh, our next match is for the Intercontinental Championship as our champion, Shawn Michaels, defends against the returning Mario Gennetti. And of course, we have Sensational Sherry as the centerpiece of this matchup. Uh, she's returning from that vicious mm-hmm. um, attack, uh, accidentally perhaps, at the hands of Mario Gennetti. Um, I went with a war of three for this match. Uh, it's a really solid intercontinental title match. Uh, again, it's got good energy. Yeah. These two have pretty good chemistry. Um, I think you'd like to think that it's a lot better, but I just don't think that Sean is where he's going to end up being at this point, but he's yeah. getting there. He's, he's doing the matches. He's liberally stealing from a lot of the heels um, that you've seen in the world wrestling federation before this, like TB and Mr. Perfect. Um, but yeah, he's, he's still revving up and getting to where he's eventually going to be. Yeah. I went three and a quarter. I think as a victim of expectations um, has given this match a bad rap. I, I think it's better than you probably remember it being. I think what does hurt it is a Sherry story. I, I think the Sherry story really hangs over it. Um, it's in all through the match. Like they're playing it up. She's out mm-hmm. there. Uh, she plays a role in the finish. The finish is kind of weak. Um, I think Marty looked a little rusty too. He'd been off like a year at this point, or I mean, I don't know if he's working in these or whatever, but he'd been off this stage for a year. So he, he's a little rusty. They would have a great match later in the year. Um, so they kind of figure it out, but yeah, Sean's still piecing things together as a heel as well. So it's definitely, it's very good. This is maybe not what, what you would expect with these two. In their first pay-per-view match, it's kind of like the Hardys, you know, years later, right when they have their first one, you kind of expect them to just go out there and blow the doors off, and it just takes a while to figure out what they want to do. You know, he's got the shredded coconut tights on here too. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, the white tassels. Um, there's a lot going on. We'll talk about it later too. But there's an infamous line Bobby calls Sherry a harlot. <laughs> there's like all this shit going on. Um, it's a little rough. It's, it's chaotic this match for sure, but uh, it's solid. Um, all right. We follow that up with uh, the antithesis of that, uh, which is Bam Bam Bigelow making his pay-per-view return. He had come back in December. He's put here in a showcase match against the big boss man who was on his way out the door and very obviously on his way out the door in this match. He is not interested at all in working this uh, with Bigelow. He's, uh, I don't want to say sandbagging, but he's just not putting the full effort in. Yeah. He knows he's jobbing. He knows he's done. So he's really just kind of in coast mode. It goes 10 minutes. Um, Bigelow wins with a headbutt. So it's ships passing the night. In another world, this is probably something really good. You know, maybe if it takes place in 1988 uh, or 19, mm. I don't know, 92, somewhere in there. Like it, Even it, in 1998. Uh, 91. Yeah, 98. Like what, There's other times. Maybe later in 92 when Boston is re-energized, um, goes to Japan and stuff. So I, I don't know. Like there's probably times where it's better. 94 maybe would have been really good. But for what on this night, it just does not click. Yeah. And like I said, Bossman's done right after this. Doink does the tripwire. Like a week later on Superstars, Bossman trips over it, and they say he broke his wrist or whatever, and then he's never on again. That's his last match. So, yeah, uh, this is two for me. Not not good. Um, a disappointing dude. Dude's rock match. This one. This one could have been really dope as well. Like you said, you put this one in pr- almost any other year, um, and I think these guys kind of blow the doors off, uh, like like we'd really want. But uh, that already takes us to our. WF championship match for the night as our champion Brett the Hitman Hart takes on the bad guy Razor Ramon. Um, this one I thought had a pretty fun build. Um, 
with uh, a rocket. Your daddy teach you that one, man. <laughs> <laughs> the attack and the promos uh, while mm-hmm. watching the basketball game. Uh, the, like the night before the rumble or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's so cool. Yeah. Um, I wish it, like they haven't really done that again, but makes, makes Razor Ramon look so cool. Um, and then, and Brett kind of channels his frustration mm-hmm. uh, for uh, Razor targeting his family. Uh, and he got the cool underlying story and the build up to this, which is Bobby mentioning, can Brett get the sharpshooter on the long legs of Razor Ramon? So that, yes. that's a cool little thread throughout this whole match. Um, I went with a four. Uh, again, much like the Survivor Series match, this is just a, a really well-wrestled uh, contest. Um, it's not quite where Brett's going to end up. He's still putting the pieces together, too. And Razor um, is definitely in uh, already being tested uh, as far as like his depth goes. And, I mean, he keeps up with Brett, and he's a major player uh, and could be a lot more um, for the rest of the season. But uh, what do you think about this match? It's another one of my favorites from this era. Um, I think it's kind of an overlooked little gem. I went three and a half. Uh, I love the attack on that one on Mania. The clothesline on the chair is awesome. They really rocket pushed Razor. I mean, he had a little feud with mm-hmm. Savage. It doesn't really get like a big payoff. And they put him right into the title match here. So they wanted to really cash in on his, you know, strong first six months and feeling like a threat. And it was a good quality win for Brett. Like, he's still building this, right? So now he's got quality pay-per-view wins over Sean, over Razor. So, like, he's building a resume now. And they're giving him time. They're clean matches. Like, that's the best part of all this to me is just what they're doing for Brett to establish him. Um, Just a hard-fought win with no bullshit. And I thought Razor really held his own here, too. I I don't think it was, like, Brett carrying him or anything. And uh, it was just well done. I think Brett winning the sharpshooter made all the sense in the world. Like, just a quality title defense. So, three and a half for me. I think it's a, a very good outing. Uh, okay. So that brings us to, I guess, before we get to the rumble, do you want to talk about Luger? Oh, um, do I want to talk about Lex Luger? I got you. Take it. Take it. Talk about the narcissist. <laughs> narcissist Lex Luger. This is awesome. Uh, so the big build up to this event, um, has been the huge segment, the big debuting of Narcissus and Bobby's been hyping up the debuting Narcissus. Um, and he's in full cell mode, uh, in, in the weeks leading up to this. So. After the title match, we'll get Bobby saying, you know, he's got to go down um, uh, and leave the broadcast area. Uh, they got a little stage set up in front of the entranceway. Uh, they lift up the curtain and uh, Lex Luger is there posing. He's got he's got three, three or four mirrors um, that are all angled. And, you know, they're, they got to be seven or eight feet tall. Um, he's all oiled up. I mean, this is like a, a sneaky, great debut. Um, you, you get everything you need to know about this character. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, he just, he just poses for a couple minutes. It's a little to, long. It's, it's a, a little, little long. long. Yeah. Long but I mean, much. Bobby is in full gush mode <laughs> <laughs> as they go over the, uh, the anatomy of narcissist. This era of Bobby's so weird because like, he's not really managing, but they haven't tied to all these guys. Like he's tied yeah. to flair. He's tied to Ramon. Or he's tied to Luger. Like, it's just kind of weird how he's like championing these guys, but I guess at this point he's just trying to take perfect out. So he brings, he's basically bringing Luger in to turn, to get revenge on perfect for turning on him. Um, it's a very memorable debut for sure. Like I think it goes a little long, but I think it's well done. If you're going to have this character, it's as good as any way to do it. Um, we had seen him previously or somebody eight, of course, drinking the milk at home um, <laughs> for the WBF. Uh, but this is a really official debut. And yeah, they keep calling him narcissist instead of narcissist, which would be his official name. But, um, Anyway. All right. So that brings us into the Royal Rumble match, which Yokozuna wins. I think it was pretty obvious he was going to be the winner. I think Mr. Perfect is probably the dark horse um, below him that could have maybe won this. 
I remember actually as a kid picking Bob Backlund to win uh, oh. and face Razor Ramon for the world title. <laughs> it, it, I thought Ramon might win the title. And, and, and that match did happen at Mania, Backlund Ramon. But um, I think perfect Yoko and maybe Savage as an outlier. But I think Yoko is a pretty heavy favorite going into this. Um, I, this is a weird match. Like, in. I'm not going to talk a ton about it. Aaron and I have talked all you can talk about <laughs> Royal Rumble 1993. Uh, now entering the Royal Rumble. You can find it in the archives on our podcast feed where we went through every Rumble entrant through, I think we got through 95 before we put the show on pause. But um, the first half is really good. You get the like kind of classic throwback with Backland, Flair, DiBiase, like the kind of legends, like fighting, like a sneaky legends match. Lawler's Rumble debut is cool. Perfect. Just super hot. Uh, Taker comes out. So you get like all like these big names and this chaos. Perfect. Throws Flair out. That's a cool moment. Bobby's going nuts. But then Lawler throws Perfect out. And I think that hurt that hurt the match quite a bit, I feel mm-hmm. like, um, taking Perfect out. Because he's like mm-hmm. the other big favorite. And then um, John Gonzalez arrives with Harvey Whippleman, uh, which I think was actually well built. Uh, Whippleman had said, I'm going to drop a bomb to get revenge on Undertaker ruining Kamala. So it brings in Gonzalez. So there's actually like a reason for that. Um, but Gonzalez eliminates Undertaker. So now we're only halfway through the match. And we got Backland, who's kind of getting a push out of nowhere, um, into this match. Like he really wasn't anything before this. But now he's like been in for a while at that point. We got Yoko and Savage to come. And that's it. Like everyone else is gone. Like we're down to Tatanka, um, IRS, Skinner. I mean, like, these are the freaking guys that are out there, Owen. Like, like no one that's going to be a threat. Um, the only good moment toward the end is Earthquake and Yoko doing the sumo thing. Like, that's kind of cool and gets a big pop. And then the finish with Savage and Yoko is fun until Savage tries to pin him. Like, that's stupid. Backlund breaks the longevity record. That gets a pop. So that's kind of cool. Um, so this stuff, like, I don't think it's a bad rumble. It's just not in the upper tier because I think that back end it's similar to 89. It's like a poor man's 89 where they shoot the angle too early. Um, so I either where they had Gonzalez has come out at the end, like maybe have Taker in the final six and mm. Gonzalez comes out and, and drags him out. And then it sounded like perfect Savage, Yoko, Lawler, you know, something like that where it's like some bigger names to give you some tease or do it early, have Taker in the first five and Gonzalez comes out right away and takes him out. I think he needed perfect to last. I think that's the big miss. I think, He's so over and such a big name. He's your biggest face in the match with Savage, and he's gone halfway through. So mm-hmm. I think that's like the whiff. So I would have, I would have done perfect flair after Gonzalez or done Gonzalez later um, to do that. Or have Taker be number one and Gonzalez attacks him on the way in or something. Like you could do that too if you want. Um, so I think the Gonzalez thing is well done. I just think it kills the flow of the match and then puts you in a position where the ring has to be clear for the most part. Um, outside like Backlund dead on the floor. So all in all, I gave it a 3.75 to me, like anything below a four for rumble is like a subpar rumble. Uh, four is my baseline for rumble matches. Like I started four and kind of go up and down from there uh, to me. Cause the rumbles are so good usually. So this is like slightly below average rumble match for me. Like on a normal match scale, it'll probably be like a two and a quarter, but because I like all rumbles that is naturally slot higher. Yeah. 3.75 for me too. Um, I, I, I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you. The, uh, the giant Gonzalez run in or walk in was severely mistimed and misplaced. 
either do it at the end exactly like you said with like the final six um or do it in the front and i think doing the front is pretty cool if you have if you have undertaker in it like one or two and then you also have like flair dibiase um you get um uh is irs in this uh yes so yeah you get irs in there get um damien demento and a couple of those guys he can throw out right he can throw out dibiase he can throw out demento he can throw out irs but you kind of have like Flair survive. Maybe Backlund comes in still. So you have like Flair and Backlund, um, you know, and Flair cowers away when Gonzalez comes out and, you know, maybe Backlund takes a strike or something. He powders out uh, and you still get everything with Gonzalez and Taker. And then you still get your hard reset with Flair and Backlund. And you still get the uh, the time there with them too. If you're, you're trying to get Backlund over for how long he's lasted in the match. And then you have all the good stuff left, right? Earthquake coming mm-hmm. in. Uh, doing the pose, <laughs> the sumo pose down um, with Yoko, Mr. Perfect. I did not expect him to be um, almost like when we talked about the 2016 Rumble. Like he's kind of this match's version of Brock. Like yeah. he is the f- the fan favorite. The energy picks up. There's just a different sense when he's in the ring. And he's when manic he's out, in there. It's great. Yeah. yeah. And when he's out, it's just like the air is out of the balloon and, and it, there, there's no reinflating it. So, um, the other winner, I thought Macho Man was going to win this, and I still, oof, yeah, we'll talk about it, I guess, uh, as, you know, the next show we cover after this. But uh, I would have, I would have, uh, I would have crowned the Macho Man here and had him win the Royal Rumble. Yeah, there's a world where he wins the Rumble and he puts over Brett at Mania to help legitimize him. You have Yoko. Um, <clears throat> if you're gonna have Savage win, I think Yoko's not in the Rumble. I think him on the undercard, he squashes. Maybe mm-hmm. he squashes Boss Man, um, and then a Mania gets another big win. Maybe he moves up the ladder a little bit, pins someone else, and then at King of the Ring is where you have Yoko beat Brett for the title. Um, this is in a world where they don't panic and bring Hogan back, obviously. So I think that throws everything off course anyway. But I think Savage Brett's always kind of been the miss at WrestleMania Nine, where they could have really mm-hmm. um, elevated Brett that way by having him have a you know. 20 minute banger with Savage where Brett goes over strong. There's no rush to Yoko. Like he didn't need to be oh. crowned at Mania. And then you no. f- you job him anyway. It's like, right. Like, was that really all worth it? Like Yoko, I mean, Hogan's jobs him out anyway. Right. Um, so you could have said Yoko wins at King of the Ring. And then, then if you really wanted Hogan, you could do Hogan Yoko at SummerSlam or whatever. But um, I mean, that would dramatically change the whole, <laughs> the whole year. But there you are. <laughs> um, all right, so total match grade is three and a half, so it's a pretty solid in-ring show. Let's get to our categories. Uh, for build, we give a point to the Janetti michaels longtime rocker feud. Uh, it's been building for a while. A point for Harvey, we talked about he kind of pays off the bombshell prediction uh, as revenge for ruining Kamala. A point for the hype on the Narcissist reveal, which plays off the perfect Heenan feud. And a point for the Ramon attack on Owen um, on Mania, which is a pretty memorable moment. Yeah, uh, our only minus for build is there's no real build for what ends up mm. being half the card. Uh, Bossman and uh, uh, Bigelow is just tossed on there. And then the opener, I think they do some interviews talking about it, but there's no real build. Uh, it's definitely not above replacement level. So. Right. All right, so that's a plus three for build. So strong there. Commentary, it is Gorilla Bobby. So let's see. Uh, Gorilla yelling, who cares when Bobby hypes a narcissist to start the show? It's a favorite <laughs> line of mine. Uh, three points. Narcissist. A max three for Bobby and Gorilla bickering all night. A point for them doing a good job explaining and playing out the Sean Marty Sherry angle, which is well done. Uh, and a point for Bobby questioning if Brett can get the sharpshooter 
on Razor. Yep. Uh, for our minuses, we've got Bobby calling Sherry a dumb harlot, which was really harsh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it came off really harsh. Uh, Bobby not as obsessed with Flair. It removes a little bit of that magic, uh, the, you know, the fair to Flair year. Uh, Bobby says Gonzalez is 20 or 30 feet tall. Bobby calls Typhoon tugboat. <laughs> Great slip. Uh, Gorilla calls uh, Carlos Colon a youngster. And that's a classic one. <laughs> oh, the youngster. A youngster. <laughs> commentary forced to cover uh, for Bossman, leaving a lot of daylight on his punches and strikes with the uh, you know the wrist injury. Um, yeah, he just he's a he's in he's in low power mode. He he's definitely on his way out in commentary. Had to try to cover that up. Um, and that all washes out to a zero. So that's that a is... big upset with Gorilla and Bobby. I mean, that's mm-hmm. you expect them to cash in big time. Like you would, uh, we're going to have some big Gorilla Bobby, some big Gorilla Jesse shows coming still with a commentary. Is this going to go through the roof? We saw with Vince and Bobby at SummerSlam. I mean, they had a ton. This one felt a little off. Gorilla's kind of in the more modern era where he's a little bit more kind of like high pitched and like, I don't know. Like, this is different. He's not like the cool acerbic gorilla of the years gone mm-hmm. by. Um, so it, he almost just feels done with Bobby in a way, even though I don't think that that's the case. Bobby also, again, some of the over the top stuff, like the Gonzalez being 30 feet tall, botching Typhoon. Um, the Flair thing was a big one for me, even as a kid. Like, it didn't feel the same where Bobby's not as angry about Flair being number one, as upset when he gets thrown out. Like, it feels like he's moved on. And, like, that's it was like a sad end of the era. Yeah. And um, the dumb Harlow thing was a, a little rough too. Like, that was yeah. a bit much. I mean, it's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure. So yeah, zero for Gorilla Bobby feels feels sad. Uh, all right, atmosphere. Uh, we gave a point for the old school Rumble purple banners. A point for the hot crowd for Janetti and Michaels down the stretch. They were really into that. A point for the pop when Brett submits Ramon. A point for the perfect flare throwdown and flare elimination. The crowd's going nuts for that. A big pop for Undertaker's entrance and a big pop for Savage's entrance. Uh, for our minuses, we've got the lack of a classic opening uh, narrated by Vince, where he runs through all the Rumble competitors. Uh, bland arena setup, uh, no special vibe whatsoever. And uh, I'm with Tim. Um, he talked about the Arco Arena being <laughs> a really bad yeah. venue for pay-per-views. And it is. It's not good. I know it's like a state-of-the-art arena at that time. But, um, yeah, it's it, it takes away from, from, uh, from the show. Uh, the crowd – does not care whatsoever about Caesar or Cleopatra. <laughs> not give a shit at all. Not at all. And that goes on forever. He's reading the freaking scroll. Oh my gosh. Coming yeah. out. I was like, I thought Wrap that was Michael up. Buffer as a kid, by the way. It looked just like <laughs> him. Um, and uh, we get complete silence for Tenru. Uh, not, not, a, not a single clap. Not, not a cheer, not noise. a boo, not a clap. He just no. exists. Uh, so that's a two for atmosphere. I mean, it's just, it's Sacramento. That's rough, yeah. All right, notable moments. Uh, we have a point for the Steiner Brothers pay-per-view debut, a point for the first-ever Michaels Genetti match uh, in the WWF, a point for the first-time Rumble winner getting a WrestleMania title shot, uh, a point for Sherry breaking up with Michaels, ending their relationship after a year, a point for Lex Luger's uh, WWF official debut, a point for Jerry Lawler's debut, a point for Gonzalez destroying The Undertaker, uh, a point for Bob Backlund setting a longevity record, a point for the Earthquake Yokozuna showdown, which is a great moment, and then a point for Yokozuna winning the Rumble. And also a point for the final Gorilla Monsoon Bobby Heenan pay-per-view. Uh, they crossed paths, but this is their final one that they call together mm. ever. So worth a point there. Yeah, end of an era. Um, we've got, uh, for the minuses, we've got Janetti losing in a big revenge spot. 
being big boss man being jobbed out and going out with a whimper to end uh, his really good you know five or six year run. Uh, perfect big time fan favorite uh, getting tossed out too early into the match uh, by King uh, when when they needed some studs still in there. Um, and then I think this is highly controversial, but it's definitely worth a minus. And it is Randy Savage's silly elimination going yeah. for the uh, going for the pinfall after the elbow drop. I mean, it is muscle memory, but you expect more out of the macho man. Yeah, it just didn't make sense. Like, I think if they at least would have made it where he was like hurt, maybe like maybe his back was so banged up, he hits the elbow and he's like, maybe he rolls a little bit. And he's holding his back and then he rolls back on Yoko and then he throws him up. Like at least sell it a little bit. Whereas instead he just lays there like this, like on him, this looks stupid, you know, or maybe have Yoko just catch him. Like he gets up and he catches him and dumps him over the top. Could have been cool too. Yeah. Or you can still do the press and the silly pin, but it doesn't eliminate him. It like, he like close eyes himself on the top and Yoko's right. got to, you know, haul tail to get Push up, yeah. but you know, yeah. Kick him over or whatever. And, and that's what gets him over. All right. So that's a seven for notable moments. Uh, we talked about three and a half for match grades card structure. We gave a point for the simple undercard uh, title matches is very basic for match uh, a point for flair being number one was kind of a cool call back to the year before uh, a point for the old school territory legends battle too, uh, with flair backland Lawler and DiBiase going at it to start the show. It was kind of a cool little old school vibe uh, that was good booking at the rumble match. Yeah. Uh, for our minuses, ooh, got a, got a, got a bit here. Uh, we get the narcissist debut going a bit too long and Bobby being in full so, uh, cell mode hurts it a bit. Caesar reading the never ending scroll, uh, after the Luger debut, it just kind of disrupts the flow of the car and, uh, with two non-wrestling segments back to back. Um, perfect. Once again, being a fan favorite, uh, being tossed out. Uh, we've got, uh, long Gonzalez beat down that derails, uh, and does a, a reset for the rumble. Uh, we lost Taker and Perfect before the halfway point of the Rumble, like we talked about. Um, so it's nothing but scrubs as we get down to the final stretch, just kind of waiting for like Yoko and Savage to get in there. All right, so that's a minus two for card structure. So that's definitely been a little bit of a bugaboo this season. Uh, overall, we've seen is, is the card structure. <clears throat> uh, rewatchability, we gave a point for the nasty Frankensteiner. And then uh, at the end of the Sean Marty match, Sherry's freaking out backstage. <laughs> Gene, Gene goes to interview and he's settle down, damn it. Uh, You're a damn circle. it, Sherry, settle down. Um, which is this great classic Gene. Um, so that was good. Yeah. Uh, our only minus here is uh, we've got the debut of the narcissist and Bobby gushing over and going a bit too long. Uh, and, you know, maybe getting a little bit awkward for 1993. It's <laughs> a bit <laughs> um, I'm a dumb harlot. All right, so that's a plus one for rewatchability. No classic all-time matches, and that brings us the final score, Marcus, of a very solid fourteen and a half. I think that's, you know, I think that's like a pretty where I would have expected this. Maybe a tick high, um, but it's got a lot of moments. It's got a lot going on for it. Uh, so there you go. I think it's probably it's tied with WrestleMania twenty-eight. Uh, I'm guessing 28 mm. has the higher match, right? Roxanne is probably going to be higher yeah. on this card. Yeah. Um, all right. So that slots in as our 38th best show okay. out of 73 so far. So top half ish, a little below top half. About what do you expect? I'd say it's, it's right in the middle. I, I think this is a very right in the middle show. Yeah. I would have expected Survivor Series 92, which we talked about uh, last episode, to fall in around here but yeah. again they had a lot of stuff going for it with like the pay-per-view debuts commentary was a big help right um 
the moments are just wow. bigger. The rumbles mm-hmm. are a little bit limited. So unless the rumble is a really big one, like there's not as much opportunity no. um, for the moments. So it wasn't a great atmosphere with this arena. Um, so that hurt it. There's not a lot of opportunity for build either because this is less matches. So um, anyway, it was a good showing. I, I think it's a strong, strong little outing for Royal Rumble 1993. Um, so that brings us now, Marcus, to our final pay-per-view of the season already. It's crazy. We just started, but here we are. And that brings us to the infamous WrestleMania 9. Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas, Nevada. On April 4th, 1993, 16,891. Jim Ross, Bobby Heenan, and Macho Man Randy Savage in the booth. Uh, this one's going to be interesting to me because I feel like when you look at all-time mania lists, this is always near the bottom. Um, you know, we've talked about WrestleMania 2 in a previous season, and that kind of finished low for us. Um, not as low as you would expect, though, because of all the moments, etc. Mm-hmm. So I think this could be similar to that, where... In ring, it's maligned as a show, but when you think of the atmosphere, the build, the notable moments, it could carry it a little bit higher than you'd expect because it excels in the categories um, that you maybe think, uh, you know, you wouldn't normally think about when just rating the show. So uh, yeah. we have a dark match, our favorite match of the season. That's Tito Santana taking on Papa Shango. Yes. Gets his revenge from the SummerSlam dark match. Tito wins this one. Yes. It indirectly keeps the streak alive. At this point, him and Hulk Hogan will be the only two guys that wrestled in the first nine WrestleManias. So he does he does keep that streak alive. It ends here. Uh, neither guy are at WrestleMania 10. So nine consecutive to this point was uh, it. That's the most anyone would be in for the first, from the beginning on. These two guys keep that going. So... Brings us to our opening match. That is Tatanka challenging Shawn Michaels for the Intercontinental title. Uh, they get a lot of time for this one. 18 minutes to open the show. We get the debut of Aluna Vashon. She comes out with Shawn with no explanation. Um, Sherry's with Tatanka, still looking to kind of glom on to whoever is feuding with Shawn. Tatanka had two non-title wins over Shawn leading up to this match. So they gave a lot of hype toward that. And the match to me is disappointing. Um, I went two and a half stars. It's plotting. It's long. We get the count-out finish. Again, they didn't want to take the belt off Sean. Tatanka's got the undefeated deal going, so they didn't want him to lose. I have a lot of issues with Tatanka and this undefeated streak. Um, I don't get it. I don't get why you have a guy be undefeated for two years. He gets no title matches. It's like, what do you like? What what's the point of being undefeated? Right. What's <laughs> you never get title matches. You know, there's yeah. nothing to it. So. Um, this is like his only title shot he gets during this whole stretch. And he wins by count out and he doesn't get a rematch. So like, I, I don't know. Like I'm guessing, I think it was supposed to be Janetti. I think he got fired uh, before this. So Janetti, Sean here with Janetti probably winning was the plan. I'm guessing that would have been better. I honestly, Sean to me is not a guy that needed a long reign to no. establish the belt. He's kind of a chicken shit heel in this stretch. I would have had to talk at us, win the belt, give the big pop to open the show. And then maybe Sean, wins it back and you end the streak, you know, a, a month later or whatever, if you want, but, or just don't do Tatanka here, like do, do someone else. But, um, the match itself is super disappointing. Like I was excited for this as a kid. I'm like, this is gonna be great. Sean and Tatanka, both good workers. Like it seemed like it'd be a classic WrestleMania IC title match. And to me, it just, it completely failed to get the show going. And it's long. Like 
I, I would have flipped this in the next match. Like you want to start the show. It's in the sun. It's hot out. Like let's get hot. Let's get some energy. Like give me Steiners and head shrinkers and like just like get rumble where Steiners beat the shit out of the Beverly's and kind of get the crowd going or head shrinkers killing the high energy of survivor series, right? Like LOD, like the hot tag match has kind of been a staple through the season. Instead, we get a 20 minute IC match that is drones on. Um, I think it, it kind of put us in a in a rough spot to start the show. Yeah, I like the attempt with starting off with the title match, which is like unheard of at this time. That was like a really big deal to have that open the show, but uh, 2.75 for me, it's just a little, it's a little slow. It's a little clunky, which was okay in my wrestling, but you know, for being an opener, especially having Tataka, who's like pretty, pretty over and they've done a good job keeping him protected uh, throughout the last year and a half or whatever. It was time to pull the trigger. It was time to just make him champ and uh, have Sean get it back on TV, um, you know, or King of the Ring or something like that. But uh, definitely missed opportunity there. I think in this and, season, three out of four Sean matches, you've been graded higher. It's a, a change into errors here. Well, I cannot be accused of not being fair with Sean Michaels. I'm nothing but fair. Sean Michaels. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, <laughs> our next match, uh, it is a hot match. It is the Steiner brothers taking on the head shrinkers. This one is a little bit of a, it's at the first, uh, I think it's towards the top of the list when you think of um, like hidden gems. This mm-hmm. one always comes up first on like those lists. Um, I went with three. This it's is the best match of the night. I mean, <laughs> it's definitely your dude's rock match of the evening. Um, it's, 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 it's pretty brutal. Um, yeah. There's a, a lot of big bumps. Um, it is, uh, safely unsafe, I think is the best word. <laughs> it, it's, it's safely reckless. Um, you get the cool, the cool power slam spot. Mm-hmm. Um, you get Scott taking the nasty bump over the top rope. You've got, uh, the WWS start of the obsession with the kendo stick with that, <laughs> yes. that shot that Alpha gives Scott. Um, that's, that's pretty rough. Um, but yeah, th- this match is really awesome. Uh, three for me. Nasty Frankenstein or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to read a quarter, so I have it a little bit above the Beverly's match, but I love both these two matches. Um, Steiners are off to a good start, just killing teams. These teams obviously had a lot of chemistry and history from their run in WCW as well, the Samoan SWAT team and the Steiners. Um, so that plays out here. And yeah, this this to me ends up, not to spoil my future match grades, but it's the highest match uh, grade I have tonight. And uh, much better. This would have been better suited for the opener to me. They give them 15 minutes. So, I mean, they, they get, it's not like it's a sprint squash. I mean, they, it's a lot of time. Um, so I always like this match quite a bit. It's definitely vicious. Uh, that brings us to Doink versus Crush. I went two and a half. Uh, this is more story than match. It's, it's Doink's first match. It's him, you know, kerfuffling around a lot. You get the second Doink with the illusion where Bobby's, you know, selling <laughs> it as an illusion. Um, Crush takes the hard loss. I remember being shocked at the time. Like, I thought Crush was just going to murder this guy. I was shocked when Doink won this match as a kid. Um, in, in retrospect, it makes sense. Like, they're trying to keep it going. But I think they had something in Crush. And I think they ruined him at the expense of Doink. Like, I think there could have been someone else maybe to put in the spot that they could have sacrificed to Doink. I don't know who. But it had to be someone else. I think Crush actually had potential money in him. Uh, we see it on the 4th of July when he almost slams Yoko and it gets a big pop. And he was quite over. He had the size, the look, and this really kills him. This loss right here completely derails him and he never recovers. Um, 
until he turns later in the year. So uh, I think there was a lot of potential that they saw that derailed at the expense of Doink, which again, like I love heel Doink, so it's whatever, but um, this definitely was like a shocking loss to me at the time. Yeah, man. Uh, the illusion, one of the An illusion, one of the big uh, early WrestleMania moments for me, uh, I went 2.75 um, crush does just, annihilate doink for a good portion of this match which is really good uh you'd like to see that when the the face finally gets his hands on the heel um you know matt Bourne, excellent excellent uh professional wrestler Mm -hmm. um but yeah they do sacrifice crush for doink and they're not even gonna you know fully push doink to his potential or do all that they could with that character so so you're just kind of killing a dude to kill a dude yeah um and you know with with you know who coming back into the fold, um, you know maybe that was a conscious decision to kind of knock everybody down a peg. Um, I just think they were really into Doink, and just figured they could sacrifice, uh, sacrifice Crush. I guess I don't, I don't know. I maybe didn't think it was going to hurt him as bad as it did. But honestly, if he just came back after this and beat him, but then they make him look stupid as well with the um, at King of the Ring where they cost him the IC title as well. Like that's yeah. to me that's the real like he's just never going to escape this shit. They just kept it going and going. All right. Our next match is Razor Ramon taking on Bob Backlund, who is making his WrestleMania debut. Um, of course, he was not around uh, for the first WrestleMania. Uh, he had already left the company. So this is Backlund's debut. This is Ramon's debut. Uh, Ramon has been um, uh, low-key, sneaky MVP so far, I think, for us this yeah. season um, with Survivor Series and Rumble. Um but they don't really have anything for Ramon to do, so it's just kind of a competitive squash here. I went with a, a score of two for this match. Yeah, I mean, it's basically a squash. Um, two for me as well. There's, there's not much going on. It's under four minutes. I, I mean, I don't want to say, like, they could have done without it, but whatever. It's kind of in the in the vintage of the old school Mania matches. But back then, mm-hmm. they had three and a half hours with like 15 matches. <laughs> like, like it's kind of like the perfect blazer or like, you know, something like that where they would just yeah. put Reed Coco, right? Like a four minute, put the new guy over barbarian Tito style. So it's just Ramon getting the win over Backlund. They put it over nice too. He's the, he out wrestled the wrestler. Like that's kind of how they place it. You see small packages and then wins them, uh, wins a match. So it was fine. Whatever. It's neither here nor there. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. All right. Next up is our mid-show main event, and that is the Mega Maniacs, Hulk Hogan and Brutus Beefcake, challenging Money Inc. for the tag team titles. And just, to me, one of the worst WrestleMania experiences of all time is this match. <laughs> um, Beefcake had made his comeback, and I was pumped. I was the biggest Beefcake mark in the world when I first started watching wrestling in 1990. Uh, he comes back here. I was so excited. Then he gets murdered by Money Inc. Hogan comes back. And I kind of remember thinking, eh, all right, um, here comes Hogan Beefcake. But then it seemed like, all right, they're just going to win the tag titles and stay in their lane. Hogan's going to say, leave Bret Hart alone, leave Yoke alone. And the Mega Maniacs as a tag team could be kind of cool, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the you know the raw moment where the fan tells Beefcake to kill himself when he's given the sob story. <laughs> Vince immediately was regretting the Manhattan Center that night, for sure. He's <laughs> like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Um and, but this match is a disaster. It's so fucking boring. Like Money Inc. on its own, they're boring anyway. End of life Money Inc., where they're in the like final months as a team, especially boring. DiBiase, full on coked up back injury, is like not there anymore. IRS is, is not going to carry the match. Beefcake, 
the magic is well gone from him. Hogan is slimmed down. He's got the black eye. Like it is, everything looks awful here. The finish is absurd with Jimmy coming in with the freaking referee jacket and Hogan celebrates. Like it's so stupid. The brick and the thing. 18 minutes. It's so boring. I, I tried. I really tried. It's just so boring. There's like nothing about it. And even as is, if they just kind of ended there, let Hogan and Beefcake pose and then shimmy on off for the night, we could have been okay. Um, I went one and a half though. I think it's I think it's not mentioned enough. I, I think it's not mentioned enough. Just this is like one of the worst matches of WrestleMania history. Like we just covered WrestleMania 32 two episodes ago. I'd rather watch the cell, the Shane Undertaker <laughs> cell, than this. And, and that's only like 10 minutes longer. It's not that much longer than this stupidity when you factor in the I, Hogan posing and everything. I can't go that far. Um, Say it. It sucked. It sucked. I, I still went with two. Um, it, it was a pretty good form. It was a, it was a fine formulaic tag team match. Um, with the double heat. But yeah, the problem is with the finish, like Jimmy Hart, like how does that constitute a, a DQ? I guess outside interference, but it just didn't feel like that was enough uh, to get the DQ. Um, and yeah, you know, this would have been fine with a mid show. Hogan must pose. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're good. You know, let's get to the back end of the show. Um, but unfortunately it's not going to stop there. Um, but before we get to that match, we've got Mr. Perfect taking on narcissist Alex Luger. Um, I would be remiss if I did not say we get what I consider to be a top three WrestleMania entrance. Top three would be high, but it's really good. Oh, no, it's top three. It's top three, and I don't think it's three. Um, Lex Luger comes out. I don't know how Vince McMahon didn't just ball up a piece of paper, <laughs> throw it in the trash, and tell Brucey and Patterson they, they got to go to the pool to rebook the company um, around Luger, which they was well, as as a uh, USA yeah. character. But this narcissist dude, this dude is awesome. Um, yeah, this dude rocks. Um, this match doesn't, <laughs> doesn't rock as hard as, as Narcissus does still it's two and a half. Um, and what I like about this is I think Luger gets unfairly maligned, um, for like not being a great worker, but like, who are you comparing him to? You're comparing him right. to Ricky Steamboat and Terry Funk and Ric right. Flair. These great workers that are in the NWA. Like we get shades of what I like to call uh, Blue Trunks Luger, where like he's got he's got his working tights on. Yeah. Um, during that U.S. title run in WCW, we get a little bit of that here. You can tell like he can he can go a little bit, and of course he's mm-hmm. he's coming off the the bike rack and and coming off of losing like a hundred pounds uh, from being super gassed up in '92. Um, but yeah, two and a half for me, uh, and I like I like the forearm still being established. Oh, it's two and a half. It's super disappointing. To me, this is like the fulcrum match of the show. Um, it's a bit of a mm. bigger break. So, like, if the show is going to turn around in ring-wise, this was the one that needed to really pop. Like, we needed them to go out and, like, push to the limit, have a chaotic pace, crowds souped up for perfect, three and a half, three and three quarter. Like, that, they have it in them. They have it in them. Instead, it's kind of plotting to me. They don't really sync up. Um, they don't click. I think it just comes down to like I think I think at this point Hennings is better as a heel. I think there's some evidence now that as a face he had the energy, but work-wise he's just I don't know his his manic bumping doesn't get as much play as a face. Yeah, it's not sympathetic. Right, and that's his best that's his best play. Um, so I think that hurts this. 
the entrance is great. The finish where Luger wins again was, I think, was surprising to me at the time. Makes sense looking back, like they're setting him up for feud with Brett, uh, and maybe continuing this on. But they quickly pivot off because right after the match, Perfect is in the back and Sean beats him up. Right, so it's like they're clearly twisting to Perfect Sean right after this, and Luger is going to move on to Brett because we know he is because he attacked him at the brunch earlier in the day or the day before. Oh my gosh, I love Um, that too. (laughs) Yeah, so it's like you know they clearly this is like a one and done. Um, so whatever, but I think it just had the plus perfect feet in the ropes is kind of stupid too. Like that mm. is confusing as a finish. So this, to me, this just ends up being disappointed, disappointing. Um, I'm with you. I think Luger's, you know, underrated as a worker. I think this character was great. Um, it's honestly got a little bit of like early hint of the aloof Luger that would be great in like 95 and 96 WCW that like, you know, Chad and I talked a ton about Warzone. Mm-hmm. Um, where he's like just himself and he's just kind of in his own little world. Uh, and I think, I think there's some of that in here where he's just like posing and doesn't give a fuck about anything going on, knocking guys out, <laughs> walking along. And like that stuff was all really good. Um, this match just ends up, I think, I think it's one that could have really turned the card um, after that long shit fest, but it doesn't. Uh, what's not also going to turn the card around is the Undertaker versus Giant Gonzalez. Oh boy. Uh, is next. <clears throat> this is the, the follow-up to the Rumble. Um, Undertaker wins by DQ. So again, like another, we've already had a count-out. We've had chicanery with two clowns. We've had the count-out or the DQ with the Money, Inc. We've had perfect feet in the ropes. And now we have another count or a DQ. It's like, like what are we doing? This is Mania. So is he getting the blow-offs? Not all these questionable finishes. I'm a little higher on this. Like I think some people have this as like a dud or like worst match ever. I don't think it's that bad. I went one and three quarters. Like, I actually think there's a little energy to it. Um, I think the atmosphere looks cool outside. You get the great take arrangements with the vulture. I think Gonzalez has a good look here. Like I think him outside with the hair blowing in the wind and stuff looks mm-hmm. cool. Um, and you get the chloroform, which is a memorable moment. So like, I think it's fine. I, I, I'd take this over either Kamala match for sure. Like if you're talking matches during this run against like the giants, um, I think it's been the best so far, I guess <laughs> sliding scale, but um, so I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Same grade. And I, I think what speaks to that is when Undertaker comes back out uh, from the from being chloroformed, um, there's really good energy uh, yeah. to him getting the clotheslines to knock Gonzalez down. And the crowd yeah. is really into it. So yeah. I think it just shows you that, like, had they not gone that route and they would have gave Undertaker a clean one, two, three, like this, this probably could have got up to two at least. Um, yeah, they clearly but, wanted yeah. to carry it through to SummerSlam. Yeah, uh, but I think Gonzalez is enough. Like Taker could have pinned him, and still done the chloroform after, and still like reheated exactly. the rematch. You know, so it's not yep. like he had to. It's just too many shit finishes on the show, and we still got mm-hmm. another one to come. <laughs> two, two more, sure two did. more to come in one match somehow. Oh, um, it gives me no no great pleasure to report uh, that next up we have Brett the Hitman Hart, our champion for this season, uh, for most of the season. He is going to lose the World Wrestling Federation Championship to Yakazuma, um, our Royal Rumble winner. I went with a 3.25. This is a match that's really grown on me, uh, not just being an unabashed Breck guy, but um, I think this is a really, really good match that he gives uh, Yoko. I think it maxed out on what it could have been. Um, I know Brett in his book said that there was about another six minutes planned to the match that Yoko just kind of cuts and just tells brett like i don't have it in the tank 
Um, so they get to the finish, and you can see that because they get to the finish, and Fuji is completely unaware that like it's his spot to throw the uh, throw this the salt. Um, so yeah, it's 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 not going to set the world on fire, but I think given I think given what they had to work with, uh, I think three point two five is is a major win. Um, just hate to hate to see Brett lose the title here because he's really been cooking, uh, coming off the big uh, the big two title defenses at Survivor Series and Rumble. And uh, yeah, yeah, I went three stars. Uh, I think it's a, a very good match. Um, Aaron and I covered it on our greatest duty world title change ever project as well, and we're both fans of it. I think Brett does a great job uh, working Yoko. I think it's he's just had a great season. I mean, he, he got the Bulldog carry job, which is a classic, and then he's had three consecutive really strong title defenses on pay per view. He loses this one, but it's still like a strong outing. Like he works a really good match. Yoko hits the spots he needs to hit. Yeah, and the salt protects Brett. Like, you know, it's it's a shaky finish, but it protects him. Um, so I think if you just end the night there, like, all right, you know, Yoko wins. Brett goes down, fighting champion. Maybe Hogan comes out and kind of issues a challenge, and we end with that. What happens after is absurd. Um, <clears throat> where Hogan comes out, Fuji's challenging him for some stupid reason. Brett, go get him. You know, he's yelling at Hogan to go get, go after Yoko. Uh, Hogan gets in the rain. The crowd's losing their shit. Uh, Fuji throws a salt, hits Yoko in the eyes. Hogan drops a leg. Hogan must pose new champion. And it felt like Vince jumped in the DeLorean and just drove us back like a year. And it was like, we had just made so much progress. <laughs> and here we are with Hogan back on top. And even as a kid, it's like a Hogan mark. Like it was still like, eh. Like I really thought we may get Hogan Yoko King of the Ring. It seemed that way because Hogan says it um, in the pre-match promo he does backstage, where he says, "You know, I'm gonna like at King of the Ring, I'm coming for you, whatever the hell he says." He says a lot of things in that uh, promo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One more on that. Um, <laughs> so that would have been like fine, but this it just felt like. But then on the flip side, I'm not gonna defend it, but on the flip side, it, it's like it's a fa- it's a famous moment. Merrill moment. The crowd loves it. Like they're going crazy. I think it's a very casual, heavy crowd for this mania. Uh, so they're just like super excited that Hogan went, is standing there posing with the belt. And maybe in an alternate universe, if Hogan doesn't just ship off, if he sticks around for six months and he's active, he's on raw doing stuff. Like maybe this is looked at differently. You know, maybe if he's an active champion, instead he just ghosts. He goes out, mm-hmm. comes back, loses Yoko, and he's done. So it just makes it feel like a real. Like, what do we need to do that for situation? So I went dud and I know it's just like a nine second match and I don't care. Like I'm, I'm generous with squashes and stuff like that. I'll give them points. But this to me is a garbage match, a garbage idea. It's a stupid match. Um, so it, it earns the dud and it's got to take the showdown and it deserves to. Yeah. This served a negative purpose. This set the business back by a good two years. Um, it was it was it was selfish. Um, it undid a lot of good booking, um, and yeah, like you said, Vince had the chance to to hop back in the DeLorean and get get back with his hot ex girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're just toxic. They're not good for each other at this point. Um, you completely derail Brett and everything you've done with Brett. Um, I think you kill Crush. Um, I, I you know I think you keep mm-hmm. Crush stronger. Um, as like a number three, and you, you're building Luger. Face. You're building Luger as a top heel too. And now that yeah. that's kind of done with him and Brett. Like yeah. that could have been a title feud. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's just this. They had the pieces, and then this is just like in the way now. 
Yeah, and like um, like Justin and uh, and Tim covered uh, mm-hmm. on New Gen on a Mission, Hogan's gone. Like you said, he's ghosted. You don't see him again until King of the Ring, really. I think he might have one or two TV promos, but that's it. He's he's not doing any live promos. He does a couple of house show things with uh, yeah. him and Beefcake against the Beverly Brothers and shit like that, but not much else. Um, he's got the infamous dark match showdown with uh, Gonzalez. <laughs> he comes at his point at Gonzalez. Um, but that that's about it. So it's a dud. It's it's a shitty situation to me. It was a bad idea, um, even in the moment. It's a bad idea. So you could have even just had him come out and run Yoko off and pose. You know what I mean? Like it says, give him the belt back. This felt like such a slap. Like especially after Brett had had such a strong run. Like they were really building him nicely. I mean, there's a world where you could argue Brett should have beat Yoko and then mm-hmm. feuded with Luger. Like you know, like that's that's not out of the the realm of possibility. You know, so. All right, so that's a negative two and a half for matches, and it's all the back of that stupidity at the end because it would have been flat until that. So there you go. Um, all right, let's get to build. We give a point for Tatanka beating Michaels twice on TV, non-title matches. A point for Doink assaulting Crush, takes him out of the rumble, sets this up. A point for Money Inc. destroying Beefcake's face, Hogan returning, Jimmy turns and goes face. A point for Bobby bringing in Luger for revenge on Perfect. A point for Luger knocking out Brett at the brunch. A point for Yoko, build up as a monster challenger. He kills Duggan, wins the Rumble, attacks Brett at the contract signing. They did a really good job of setting up Yoko as a, as a monster threat. Yeah. Uh, that that contract signing on TV is ingrained in my brain. Uh, yeah. Absolutely love that um, that showdown. For our minuses, let's get into it. Uh, we get uh, no explanation who Luna is. She just kind of shows up randomly, and they, they try to explain she's from the Vashon family. But uh, there is no real history of that on WTV. Um, and then we get the Manhattan Center fan telling Beefcake to off himself. Um, so that gives us a war score of four for our build. Ingrained in the membrane. All right, commentary. Uh, we have a point. And so we mentioned it's Jim Ross's debut. So he's he's up and running right away. Uh, we give a point. He's funny narrating the procession. He's given historical facts. Uh, <laughs> macho Toga, Macho Man. Like just all of <laughs> Classic Ross. What a great line. Macho Toga. Macho bed. A uh, point for Bobby giving the background of Luna so quickly. Like, you know, she's Mad Dog's daughter, Butcher Vashon, like all this stuff. And so that was good. Uh, some fun Oklahoma jokes throughout the night from Bobby. Uh, a point for JR using Slobber Knocker for the first time on WF television. A point for Bobby with the uh, double vision illusion gag with the doings is classic stuff. Um, a point for Savage saying there's no rafters, but people are hanging from the columns. A point for the really good conversation about Luger's metal plate, comparing it to bat speed uh, and how hard he hits with it. A point for Savage snapping at Bobby. Uh, he stands and yells at him after perfect his attack backstage. He's just like, you know, the crowd pops. He stands up and he's pointing and standing over Bobby and screaming <laughs> at him. Uh, and then a point for the cool talk about Yoko being the heavy betting favorite at the books in Vegas. I thought that was cool. Nice little touch to the little cow. So that, that was a nice, nice little bump. Yeah. Imagine if they could do that now uh, with the betting favorites. That'd be awesome. Um, right. And then, yeah, I'd like going back to Luger real quick. Just like he's this dude who operates in his own world and sees like nothing wrong with anything right. he does or how anything he does affects anybody else. But like Savage is like, yo, like he's he's knocked out Bret Hart. He, he's, he, he beats up Mr. Perfect. Like enough of your dude. Enough um, with the final the plate. <laughs> he's, he's like he's just standing up. He gets on the table. He's yelling at Bobby. It's great. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, for our minuses, we got Savage just really brutal on Luda. Uh, oh, just, just God. He is Luna. way over the top and no. ugly and all this. Like, just real bad. Yeah. Um, usual hardhead uh, talking about the Savage Samoans. Uh, Savage is a bit off all night. And, and this is something like Jim Ross has talked about, too. Like, Savage was just 
Um, I don't know if he was, he was threatened by Ross, but he's just trying to be, I think, trying too hard. He's trying too hard to kind of make sure he's a star of the show. And it's like, dude, you're the macho man. Um, you know, your, your, your spot's yeah. good. Yeah, I think he was just like, I think he just felt a lot of pressure. It was his first mania, first pay-per-view. He hadn't done a pay-per-view. He had just started commentating on Raw. So I think he was like, probably, it just seemed like he felt a lot of pressure to really deliver. And it seemed like he was stumbling on his words a lot and not as like kind of on point as he would be later on. He just seemed, it just seemed off. Yeah. Uh, I got a couple more here with Bobby acting like he can smell the chloroform and Savage immediately knowing what it is. Uh, so it was a lie. It was uh, like on Breaking Bad where Jesse knows it was Ricin that uh, he's like, it may be Ricin. Like, how did you know it was Ricin? Like, why did you know about Ricin? You know, like, that's what it felt like with this. It's like, how did you know it's this chloroform? Like, there's no reason they should know what chloroform smells like. I can um, smell it, you. Yeah. But I, I mean, I thought it was a good comedy. I mean, it was better than Rumble with Gorilla and Bobby. Yeah. Like, I, I thought Ross was, um, you know, he was classic Ross from like NWA Ross, just spitting facts left and right, going 100 miles an hour. Bobby was really funny playing off him. It felt like a fresh ma- mashup where he could go in on the Oklahoma and the mm-hmm. Cowboy stuff. And, uh, you know, for Savage not being on point, he still has some, some gems in there. So it was a good team. We'll get him again eventually when we come back to the season. Um, all right. So that's a five for commentary. Good. Atmosphere, we give a point for all-time classic Roman Empire setting and venue. We give a plus three, actually, for that. It's an all-time mania setting. Is, I mean, yeah. they go all the way in with the togas and the, the bunting and the animals and the procession. Like, they just went full-on uh, all the way in on it, which is a really cool touch. Uh, a point for the first ever black and gold ropes in a mania, the ring post, the mats. It just makes it stand out. We give a point for Hogan's entrance, which did get a big pop. A point for the all-time Luger entrance, the hair blowing in the wind with the hot girls in the mirrors. And the little sparklers at the top of the mirrors. A point for the big pop for the uh, taker entrance with the vulture and the chariot. And then the pop when Hogan wins the title. I mean, the crowd goes nuts when he wins it. Yeah. So. yeah. All right. Let's get into the minuses. Uh, we've got Beefcake's yellow not matching Hogan's. Uh, yeah, what I mean, you're doing the red green, and yellow. You're right? doing the red and yellow. Just wear yellow. Yeah. What are you doing? He's wearing like neon yellow. and the, yeah. the, Wear the Hogan yellow. You're wearing red and yellow. What the frig <laughs> are you do doing? Something. Uh, yeah, the crowd is pretty quiet during uh, Perfect and Luger. Adult, uh, it like dulls the match a little bit, uh, makes it feel even more boring than what it is. Um, a hard cam crowd is just baking in the sun, um, and I think it affects the energy of the show, especially as it goes on. Uh, and the crowd not being happy with Taker Gonzalez finish. I mean, and, and who can blame them at that point in the night? Almost every finish has been has been screwy. So uh, that gives us a war total of four. Pretty good. I mean, it's carried really on the back of the setup and all that. But uh, the crowd is is solid, and there's a lot of memorable stuff. Um, all right, let's get to moments. Uh, we get the max three for the WrestleMania debuts. I mean, they're up and down the card. Uh, Steiners, Head Drinkers, Yoko, Backlund, Ramon. I mean, Luger, like up and down the cards. There's a ton of them. So plus three there. Uh, that's what we do when we have more than three. A point for Bobby and the Togue on the Elephant. That's a famous uh, look. Uh, a point for Savage on the sedan getting carried out the Vestal Virgins. A point for Luna attacking Sherry after the opener. That was a classic moment. A point for the double doinks. Um, that was another classic moment. A point for uh, Hogan's Day return, winning the title. A point for Luger knocking Perfect out after the match. And Michaels. a point for Michaels attacking Perfect. So those are separate things. A point for Undertaker's entrance with the Vulture. A point for Taker coming back from the dead to be, beat up Gonzalez to a huge pop. And then a point for Yokozuna winning his first world title. So a very memorable mania. I mean, just a lot of positive stuff happened, even though it's, again, maligned as a show. 
Yep. Uh, with all those positives, though, we got a bit of negatives, so let's get into them. Uh, we've got Crush's face run essentially being killed off. Yep. Uh, Hogan looking all time goofy with the black eye. Um, you know, hopefully Macho Man got a good piece of him there. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy it was Hart. a workout accident. Uh, oh no! What did they say? Money Inc. paid him. They right? said Money Inc. Yeah, Money Inc. paid him. The uh, paid some guy to beat Hogan. him up at the gym. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I imagine like uh, Peter Griffin. In the uh, the background with the, the coat and the cigarette and the hat, <laughs> waiting wait to jump Hulk Hogan. Waiting to sucker punch him. Yeah. <laughs> or Jacques Rougeau with a rock uh, roll of quarters waiting. It was so good if it was the Mountie uh, jumping Hulk Hogan. Uh, Jimmy Hart counts the fall and the Maniacs act like they won the belts for some dumb reason just because he reversed his jacket. Uh, Hogan winning the title and the show made no sense whatsoever. It makes Brett, Yoko, and Fuji all look dumb and sets the company back big time. And that is a very justifiable minus three. Uh, Hogan calls Yoko. Well, I can't even say it, uh, but that. Uh, Everyone knows. Everyone that, knows. That They've slur, seen it. They yeah. Know. yeah. yeah. Uh, and then uh, Yoko wins thanks directly to Salt instead of uh, his own merit in any way. And uh, Yeah, it's Assault. I don't even think he hits the leg drop. He just, no, just kind of rolls him, over. Him up. So it does protect that, Brett, but it does make Yoko look a little weak. I'm positive he was probably supposed to hit something there. But yeah, I think I think he's just out of gas. But so it's a strong five for moments. But the negative definitely dings. I mean, there was a lot of positive stuff on the show. Uh, the Hogan title win really just dragged the show down. When you look at it, killed the match grades, which is a negative two point five. Um, it's a minus three in the moments. We're gonna get it again for a negative all time match. <laughs> like it really, really hurt the show. That that one decision drags us down from what maybe could have been a surprisingly you know higher on the list. Yeah. Uh, card structure, we give a point for the cool pageantry to open the show and then closing with the world title. They could have easily closed with the Mega Maniacs, Money Inc. We know why they didn't. I mean, Hogan ends up winning anyway, but still, they end up closing with Brett Yoko, which on the surface was a cool vote of confidence for Brett. Yeah. Uh, for our minuses, we've got starting the show with a long match that ends in a non finish. Uh, the card is litter- littered with uh, just like screwy finishes. Um, oh, so many. Yeah. Yeah. Up and down the card. Uh, so we're minus two there. Um, kind of uh, categorize that all together. Uh, we got a long, boring match with a terrible finish uh, that kills Hogan's big, retor- mm-hmm. big return in that tag title match. And then we got Kamala and Bam Bam is infamously cut for time on yeah. this card. So not delivering an advertised match. Uh, that'll get dinged for us. We even get the and... picture of Kamala with the elephant backstage in the magazine. <laughs> uh, I, I got. I don't think I've seen that one. I got to look at that one. It's out there. Um, or maybe it's Bigelow. One of them's with the elephant. I thought it was Kamala. That's cool. Uh, yeah, so negative three for card structure. I mean, it's just the screwy finishes really hurt the card, too. Like, mm-hmm. the Hogan thing with the screwy finishes is the bad combo. I mean, it's mania. This is the era where, like, everyone went home happy. And the whole night is, like, DQs and countouts and stupid finishes. So, yeah. not their best night, um, for sure, on that regard at all. Uh, and going back to the positives, like, it was just a year earlier where they did close with Hogan over a title match so like when, when they came out it was like okay cool they're gonna get brett the match you know when they could easily just did hogan uh all right rewatchability we gave a point to luna attacking sherry that, that was a really good fight uh point to Afa cracking scott with the bamboo stick and the big steiner spots in that match uh, a point for Toga Todd asking the Japanese photographers about the doinks. <laughs> that was a pretty funny moment. <laughs> uh, a point for Michael slamming the bucket of wood on Perfect's head, which was a nasty shot. Mm-hmm. Um, a point for Todd mocking, mocking the little kid's Prince Charles ears. And then you get the two drunk idiots <laughs> wrestling behind him. <laughs> Classic uh, fan interview there. Oh, man. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, those are the the fan interviews are some of some of my favorites at the show. Um, yeah. They all hit. Uh, get into the minuses. We've got uh, the Mega Maniacs and Money Inc. finish. Uh, convoluted finish to perfect and Luger with the foot under the ropes. Uh, we got Goulet making his <laughs> run in to help Taker, but he's in his toga uh, with the, all the other officials as well. Just well, they're all dressed up, and... right? I th- they're mm-hmm. not in the stuff, but Goulet is. But he so is, it looks yeah. stupid. Like all these guys in suits, and he's out there in the friggin' toga oh, and sandals helping on the Taker. <laughs> Uh, how to get his face time in. And, uh, of course, we get the uh, HH brother hand job ending. Mm-hmm. So that's a plus one for rewatchability. You think they ribbed Goulet? You think they told him they're all going to wear togas and then he showed up in the freaking toga? <laughs> it feels possible. That'd be great. That'd be great. Uh, all right. All-time matches. Just a negative on Hogan Yoko. So it's a minus one. Brings us to a total war score, Marcus, of 12.5. Which, you know... <sighs> It could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. Like, that's really not that bad. Uh, I mean, when you look at where it's at, it's not with any luminary shows or anything. It's uh, right below Rebellion 1999, right above No Mercy 04. So, I mean, it's it's not with some great company or anything. No. Uh, bad Blood 04 is, you know, kind of in its vicinity. Oof. New Year's Revolution. So, it's with a lot of average shows. But, you know, the moments... The atmosphere really carry it. Without those two things, it, it definitely would have sunk. But without Hogan, if if they don't do that finish, you know, we probably lost how many points? It's got to be yeah. almost 10 points alone on that. So now you're talking, if they don't do the Hogan thing, you're talking maybe 22. You're talking top 15 show, perhaps. Top 20 show. Um, you know, instead it's going to finish at 47 out of 74. Uh, you know, WrestleMania 2 we mentioned earlier. I think that, let's see, where did WrestleMania 2 finish? That finished at 35th, so 15 and a half. So it's three points below that, 13 spots below WrestleMania 2, which coming in, those are two of the, you know, usually two of the shows you think about toward the bottom of lists of Manias. Uh, WrestleMania 11 is significantly below it uh, at a negative 0.75. You know, we've talked about it. We might redo 94, 95 at the end of the project yeah. because we were still figuring out the system during that season. I think maybe we didn't credit some stuff enough, but it, it'll still be below this. You know, as a kid, I always preferred 11 to nine, but looking at it now, I think just more happens at nine. It's just yeah. a more aesthetic show to look at. So, uh, all right. So no adjustments to our top 10 um, for our last episode. So these two are going to finish more in the middle, uh, but, since we are wrapping up a season, bud, let's go through our season awards here for 92-93. Time for awards. Uh, I think there's no question at all who our MVP is. Uh, it's Brett the Hitman Hart. He right. had the classic at SummerSlam to, uh, you know, a really borderline great match with Sean, a very good match with Razor, and a good match with Yoko. Uh, no one else had his hit rate of consistency. He was in big matches the whole season. He's the face of the season. Like, this has come up. He's also our silver slugger. That's our highest average match grade. He had a 3.34. Uh, surprisingly enough, though, that's actually our lowest silver slugger score. It is, uh, yeah. Just below Hogan, an 85, 86. Uh, our highest silver slugger is the War Raiders at 4.42 uh, in 1819 NXT. So it just tells you it's a down season in the ring, uh, yeah. is what that tells you. So he still had great, great stuff, but his average match score is below three and a half and that's our best of the year so and he is also our first ever two-time mvp and silver slugger winner yes he won 94 and 95 as well so 
All right, our Vin Scully best announcer, we give it to Bobby Heenan. He was on all four shows. He was great on all four shows. I don't think we need to justify the brain uh, winning no. any commentary awards. Uh, Mendoza Award for our worst average match grade. We gave it to the Hulkster. He had two matches, so he had to have at least, you know, out of four shows, he had to have at least two matches. It's a little cheap since they both were on the show, but fucking me ruined WrestleMania 9. Uh, so a .88 <laughs> average match grade when you look at the dud. Um Main mm-hmm. event plus we were both what like a one and a half to two on the tag, so yeah, uh, not great. I, I mean, I don't know. I guess Kamala probably would have been up there. Um, yeah. Undertaker, honestly, we probably I think we saved Undertaker from from having the worst season. It wasn't his fault. He was saddled with some real scrubs, but he probably would have been the guy if not for Hogan. But I think Hogan deserved it more. How can you do He's, that to the Hitman? Uh, Hogan's also our LVP. Uh, oh yeah, we talked about it. he he single handedly destroyed the mania grade <laughs> between the <laughs> mega maniacs match and the stuff at the end. So worst part of the season by far. I don't think it's a question. I think top of my head maybe like Kamala would be the other one, but um, I think Hogan Hogan quite easily was the the worst part. Yeah, he just carries more weight too. Yeah. Uh, best single performance again, not a surprise. You went Bret Hart at SummerSlam, uh, carried Bulldog completely. Uh, put on a classic match, drives that whole match, gives Bulldog his moment, puts him over clean. So that's easily to me the best performance. I don't think we even had to debate that one. No, no, that was a no brainer. Uh, but we did have a conversation about our rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this was a two man race yeah. uh, between our runner up, which would be Razor Ramon, yep. but our winner is Yokozuna. It was a tough race, but I mean, Yoko won the Rumble and won the world title in the main event of WrestleMania. Like, that's yeah. hard to overcome. Ramon did main event, mid-show main event Survivor Series. Had the world title match at Mania. I mean, at Rumble. Mania was a throwaway. It wasn't at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Yoko had the squash of Virgil. Wins the Rumble, dominant fashion. Wins the world title. So, I mean, he... It's his yeah, year. That's, that's what it came down to. Yeah. yeah. Two big wins. Uh, Bret Hart had the most main events with two of the four shows. Um... I mean, t- he should have been three, really, but obviously Hogan Yoko yeah. is technically the main event. Uh, most matches won was a tie between Yokozuna and The Undertaker. They both won three matches. Uh, most title matches with Bret Hart. He was on four shows, had four title matches. Uh, the poor Beverly brothers had the most losses at <laughs> 0-3. Um, on this, they weren't a mania, but they lost the three shows before that. Uh, no question about best crowd, SummerSlam at Wembley. Absolutely. Awesome. Our all-star team, which is our top five performers of the season. Sir. Uh, you want to give that out, Marcus? Uh, sure. Uh, we've got Bret Hart, The Undertaker, Mr. Perfect, The Macho Man Randy Savage, and our Rookie of the Year, Yokozuna. Yeah, that's pretty strong. I mean, you could maybe argue Ramon over Taker. We gave Taker the, the bump, even with the shitty matches. He was saddled with Kamala and Giant Gonzalez. He was really good in the Rumble. He had the great entrances at all the shows. He had the hearse at SummerSlam, the coffin at Survivor Series, and then the vulture at Mania. He had the chloroform, post-chloroform attack at Mania. So, I mean, he had some really good stuff. He was memorable. Season. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's really good as, like, the secondary babyface away from the world title. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, he does a lot. He does good with his presence in this season. All right. All loser team, our worst five, uh, Mega Maniacs. We did – we. Gave him one spot, the two idiots. Hogan and Beefcake. Uh, <laughs> really ruined the season toward the end here. Bad showing a mania. Saddle the show. Kamala had two terrible matches with Undertaker. Looked like a giant pussy and completely ruined his heel heat. <laughs> Money Inc. Terrible at mania. 
uh, didn't do much. It's that boring match, the Survivor Series, SummerSlam was like whatever, Rumble, whatever. Like so, the the Mania match alone was worth it. Giant Gonzalez, uh, kind of submarine the Rumble, uh, had the match of Mania. I think you could argue maybe he of anyone on this list, he could have maybe slipped off and uh, not been on, but there's not too many other choices. And the fifth choice, we ended up going with Crush, a guy that really should have gotten a big push. Has a squash at SummerSlam, gets knocked out of the Rumble, and then gets jobbed at Mania with the two doinks. It made it look kind of silly. So, I don't know. I feel like Gonzalez is the only questionable one, surprisingly enough. <laughs> yeah. Because the Rumble yeah. moment's good, and the Mania match isn't that bad, but it wasn't really anyone else that jumped out. Nope. So, um, any final thoughts on this season? I mean, I love talk in this era obviously super nostalgic for it it was an easy all four shows are easy to watch i blew through all four of them i think i almost got through them like in a week or something they're easy to watch in one sitting um yeah it was fun i, I think it was some surprises i mean SummerSlam being the best show uh that we've done survivor series being a top 10 show i think was the biggest surprise you know mania had the potential to be be a riser but got dragged down by hogan so yeah i enjoyed it uh, it's actually by war score, our best season, Marcus, that we've done. Wow. Um, it's an average of 22.9 war per show, uh, which edges out 18, 19 NXT, which had 21.3. So very comfortably, I'd say, actually, our, our top season that we've watched so far out of the eight that we've done. Yeah, it's but you probably would have nice. thought coming in. I don't think. No, I don't think so. And it's nice to be able to know that you love these shows because of the heavy nostalgia. Um mm-hmm. But also to break down and watch with like, you know, the 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 format that we're doing this with, you know, right. uh, why exactly are these shows so enjoyable, even yeah. if they're not the best in ring, like there is more to it. So what exactly is it that that we're really taking away and enjoying these shows? And um, yeah, going, being able to go through this and, and pick out those things and, and see what they're doing and, you know, the chances they take and the pivots they're able to make, you know, like Survivor Series 92. You know, that's a great example of, mm-hmm. all right, like we got to get some fresh talent in here and getting multiple new talents over on the show. And, and it's the commentary, the atmosphere, the presentation, right, the yeah. look, all that stuff is memorable moments, like littered up and down these shows, you know, and not as much negative as like some of the more modern stuff, you know. Yeah, it's more than just like it makes me feel good, and I liked it when I was a kid. Like, right. there's some really good stuff happening in the season. All right, so that puts a bow on 92-93, bud. Um, another season in the books. Quick one. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. We have another quick season, honestly, yeah. ahead of us. So we're kind of making up for that long 15-16 stretch with a couple quick hits to uh, burn through a couple seasons. So we'll look forward to uh, debuting that. Keep you surprised. Uh, continue to check out everything North South Connection has to offer. If you go to NorthSouthConnection.com, it has all of our content. To subscribe on YouTube, you get all of our great video stuff. Uh, on any podcatcher app to get the audio, any social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, we're on all of it. Just search out North South Connection. We appreciate all of the love, all the feedback. We're in WrestleMania season, so we get some really cool WrestleMania content as well, churning out. Just keep track of everything going on and continue to bring the feedback and the comments and all the support. We appreciate it. As you live your life above replacement level, we'll talk to you in two weeks here on the Get it, I know you got some other you
want it, I get it You needed someone that could prove you wrong So I reckon you leave all of your problems at the door to my city You gon' need to tell my brothers where you from And I admit it, I still got empathy And you gon' feel it for two weeks when I release you in them streets And keep my Nina in discreet, keep the clean in my Jeep And put that Yeezy in your teeth Let my demons off their leashes if you even think to speak I'ma give a whole new meaning when you said you live in a dream We could keep that sleeping, you gon' never die Z, 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 Z